Hey guys, welcome to the Tech People Podcast. My name is Ken Coyne. I'm your host and founder, as well as head of technology at Office Talent. I believe at the heart of any success story are the people who made it happen. Diversity, creativity, and innovation, when nurtured in people, can lead to an unbeatable formula. I created this podcast to share the experiences of some truly inspirational leaders on their journey to success. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome back to Tech People. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Karim Mauki to the show. Karim has founded multiple startups and has a wealth of experience in digital strategy and transformations, working with many of the Fortune 500 companies. He's kindly come on the show to share his experience on Industry 4.0, which is advanced digitalization. I will leave it to Karim to expand further on this topic and explain how this is helping companies in terms of digitalization. Welcome, Karim. Thank you, Ken. Thanks for having me. No, my pleasure. I'm looking forward to learning all about Industry 4.0. I did do some research on it, but I'm looking forward to getting your insights and your experience. Now, before we go there, let's learn a bit about who you are and your current role, please. I am CEO of Crowd Favorite. It's been 27 years now that I've been uh, providing enterprise-sized clients with digital solutions, everything from complex content management systems to systems integration. Okay, cool. So talk to us. I mean, first of all, I suppose, what is Industry 4.0? That is an interesting question because people think that when you're talking about Industry 4.0, you're thinking only about companies that are producing items. And, yes. and, and what's happening is really, it goes, it spans the universe. Really, okay. the base of it is machine AI learning, smart factories, smart production in general. And that's where you can even leave the factory and talk about industry 4.0. But manufacturing companies and brands are looking to integrate technologies into every aspect of producing whatever it is they produce. That for us is industry 4.0. Okay. And how did this all come about, this evolution of industry 4.0? It's been really slowly building quite literally over the last 20 years almost. But What really sped it up was how APIs, application protocol interfaces, have been, program interfaces, have been accepted. If you write software today, you're writing these APIs so that you can integrate to other pieces of software. So now, brands and and industry are saying, how do I integrate these things to make my life easier? Okay. And maybe just for the audience, so they can get a better feel and understanding of it, could you like share some case studies or some examples? of how this works in practice? Absolutely. My favorite case study is one that sort of debunks the entire idea that Industry 4.0 is going to take away jobs. Um, One of our clients in the US is one of the largest manufacturers of construction equipment for commercial construction. And they're over a 100-year-old company. And with them, we've created a cataloging system so that their clients can come onto the internet and check their catalog and actually get pricing for doing an entire construction project of their prices, where when they came to us, they said the number one important thing is that our sales force has a human connection with our clients. So we don't want to completely automate it. We want the clients to be able to go online and automate the beginning of the process. But that entire process, that custom workflow has to drive that our 
human sales force is talking directly to the clients once we have all the information. Okay, cool. So how did you achieve that? Yeah, so we we put together a cataloging system that has over 30,000 different SKUs in it. And when the client comes and they can upload their own construction project and it'll do quantity surveying and it'll find out how many widgets they need and this and that and the other plumbing's fixtures, what'll end up happening is that is all automated, tying together multiple systems. And that's the industry 4.0 piece. But the beautiful customized workflow piece is that our team engineered it so that once the customer does that, it's feeding it all as an informational piece to a human sales workforce that's then reaching back out to the clients and saying, okay, I see this is what you're, you're looking for. I have all the specs. Now let's sit down and talk about how we can give you the best service in getting you these products. And depending on the types of clients they are, they get, you know, different levels of discounts or treatments or any number of things, priority for hard to reach items, that kind of thing. Okay, cool. So, I mean, it's, there's no kind of standard methodology or process to this, is there? Or is each project solution quite unique? The concept is standard, which is let's find the ways that automation can help your okay. industry be more organized. But the workflow is the unique piece. Every individual instance will be a separate workflow. Another good example is the Walt Disney Company. Okay. For the Walt Disney Company, we integrate a lot of different aspects of broadcast information onto one website right. that then is is shown to different media outlets depending on their level of access, what they need to know, who they are, and other things. But those are literally 18 different systems that wow. have come together to provide one dashboard, if you will, for their media client. Okay. So like before you implemented that system, Mm -hmm. how would that system have looked previously? How would they've achieved that before Industry 4.0? Well, they would have either had to actually have separate logins or separate windows, or they would have had to manually bring those systems together into dashboards that their clients can see, which would create you know, tens and hundreds of hours of work in bringing that together. Yeah, I can imagine. So that's quite interesting. So you went on one side, you mentioned like a construction example. On right. the other side, it's Disney, which is, you know, I mean, what would say it's Disney, I suppose it's, it's, a, media. it's a big company, media. Yeah so, yeah. so are you saying you could literally apply this to any industry? Or is there any we specific industries that are better? Yeah, that's the beautiful thing. When we speak about Industry 4.0, we're really talking about how do we bring together the different aspects of your business? And it's really about the workflow. So we okay. get questions all the time. My job is the easiest because I'm not literally <laughs> selling any product. Right. It doesn't matter the products they're working on digitally. They come to us and they say, look, can you just you know take an hour of time and talk to us about quite literally, these are the six things or the 60 things we're dealing with. Is there a way to bring them together? And that's the most fun conversations in the world. It's why I got into this business. It's putting together a puzzle piece and figuring out, yes, this is how we could bring things together. Cool. So in, in one of those examples, could we just maybe go into it a bit further in detail uh, as in like, how would you approach implementing sure. uh, that? So let's take, for example, any manufacturing. Let's let's take it away from our client and talk about if if somebody has a widget out there that they want to sell We've all heard about how now you can automate the 
inventory and sales process. And people are expecting that in business to consumer, that the shipping and the inventory process is all tied together these days with all sorts of SaaS products that are out there. But if you have a unique workflow where you need to either engage with clients or you are getting products from very many sources, to be able to automate and bring together different streams and flows of information will help you run your business more quickly, more efficiently, and ultimately make you more money. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, definitely. But I mean, so that's the workflow piece because you, you also mentioned about the AI aspect. Yes. So how does that work then with that? Or does it depend on a case-by-case basis? Well, it can depend on a case-by-case basis. I can give you an example from another project we worked on where they're using AI to literally monitor the inventory that's going out and build models of what their flows of inventory are over time. Therefore, the AI would start predicting things that maybe you couldn't catch. It's easy to say, well, I have a seasonal business, therefore, you know, certain things only go out in one part of the year. But with the AI model, our particular client was able to project different sub pieces, different vendors needed to give them so they could put together their product in different timelines because they were seeing when products were coming in and when products were going out. So you're able to see things that might not be visually easy to see with the human eye, but with AI, they start tracking that over a long time basis. And over a series of quarters, they're able to start negotiating better prices with their vendors because they could order ahead of time or do just-in-time ordering as the case may need. Yeah, very cool. And in in terms of that approach, I mean, is that quite a large project to undertake or is it going to be delivered quite quickly? Well, it used to be that you had to be, you know, one of the Fortune 500 to invest in these things. You know, using the old, uh, the old commercial from many years ago, everybody wants to be like Mike. Um, <laughs> so it's really been coming downstream and we have small startups that are coming to us and saying, how do I create this custom workflow out of these six or again, 60 APIs? And it's possible. It doesn't take an, a budget from an enterprise to do a, a right. project like this any longer. It's not completely cheap. But depending on what your margins are going to be, it's an easy conversation to have. And and that example where, like you mentioned, 60 APIs, do you take them all and do them all together or do you do it step by step? Because they're a big bang bang approach? Yeah, you have to do step by step. But that's where the digital strategy comes into play. And, you know, based on when you have multiple APIs, based on not only the workflow, but also the complexity of each API. Some systems are more legacy than others, meaning they're older than others. Um, okay. some, some systems are much easier to plug in. Unfortunately, still today, most SaaS companies, most companies that have software for industry are saying that, oh, it's just plug and play no matter what it is. But yes. then when you literally lift up the hood and you start playing yeah. with it, there's a couple of gotchas. And one of our specialties is making sure that we can separate the gotchas from what's easy to actually implement. As Somebody who's interested in this, you can do this in phases. You don't have to do one giant project. We have plenty of clients who say, look, this is a marathon, not a race. I have smaller budgets, but I have to do this over a certain period of time. Can we plan something out? Can we do something that ramps up? So I start seeing a smaller return on investment 
more quickly, and then that'll help me fund this next part of the integration. Okay, great. And tell me, you know, is there like some common challenges that you're, you know, you, you see regularly in these projects that you have to overcome? Maybe you could share some examples, if there is, or share some examples when, when companies go about approaching or implementing uh, <laughs> Industry 4. <laughs> yes. Two quick things that come to mind. The first okay. one being, it's part of our job to save our clients from themselves. All right. We all want the perfect system, but we have to work with what can we do now for the right budget and the right timing. So part of our approach is to sit, is to literally sit down with them and say, okay, show me the big picture and then let's back up and say, you know, how will this affect your business and how can we approach it in a way that makes sense for your business? So that's the first thing that folks should keep in mind. And the second thing is really that there's a list out there now of SaaS systems called the MarTech 8500. And okay. it shows literally 8,500 different SaaS systems that are out there to help people run their business and run their marketing online. And no matter how you think there's only one solution to do what you think you want to do, there's always another one out there. If one piece of software is too difficult, chances are you don't have to build something from scratch. You can adapt another piece of software. Okay. The key we use for that in our business is we use open source software as a hub. So that right. that way you're not dependent on just one SaaS system out there. Okay. And is there, I mean, is this kind of normally, is there like an IP from this or not? Can you, do you think you can develop an IP sometimes? Well, so what we learned with our cutting edge enterprise clients is clients want to own their own data. And the yeah. more you're doing things on a SaaS system, the more your data is on broken up on different clouds. So the reason why customers are coming to us and saying, we want to use open source as a hub is they want, they want to own the source of truth of their data. So that way, if they want to move from SaaS system A to SaaS system B, because somebody comes up with something cheaper or better or both, they have that true source of, of truth. So that way that they don't have to completely rebuild. You can unplug one SaaS software and plug in another one. I don't want to make it sound that simple, but mm. when you own the data and the source of truth and you're not just relying on that SaaS, it's not a migration project. It's not a project where the data is actually sitting on somebody else's servers only. Okay. So you can actually decide which is your best of breed product. Yeah, I think based on experience, data seems to be the key. Absolutely. And maintaining the ownership of that data, if possible. Absolutely. But I suppose that comes down to cost as well, doesn't it? Well, it does. I mean, for instance, speaking about the Walt Disney Company, they right. have a 100% data ownership expectation. So they don't want us using any software that will store data on client servers. And that means if you have a 100% policy of that, almost any implementation is more expensive because you have to do an on-premises data store for that instead wow. of letting the SaaS system do it. There's other, other clients of ours who say, we want a copy of the data. So at any instant, we can turn off that service, but we don't have to have Unique ownership of all data, only certain security data. Right. Okay. It's very cool. Uh, really cool. Yeah. Can I must say? I mean, you're saying this has been developing over the last 20 years. How do you see it evolving? Is it going to be, I don't know, how, who names these, like who gives it industry 4.0? Is it going to be industry 5.0? How do you see this in the future? I think as the customer base, brands, companies out there, insist more on data portability, insist more on a standardization of these APIs, I think it's just going to get easier and easier for okay. the customer. And it's going to get harder 
for services out there, data services and SaaS companies to show why they're unique. So you have to have a truly good idea to get somebody to churn away from what they're using at the moment if they have a good setup. So I think we're going to see a paring down of the SaaS services and a best of breed really emerge that's not based on how many marketing dollars they can spend, but it's based on what their actual function and functionality really is. Okay, cool, Cream. So, I mean, thank you. Really interesting. Uh, it sounds like it can add a lot of value to a lot of businesses. If people would like to learn a bit more or learn a bit more about you, what's the best way to get in touch? Please uh, come to <laughs> crowdfavorite.com and get in touch with us. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on our website. Always happy to schedule a call. And uh, again, it's it's just a matter of figuring out what a client's custom workflow is. But the key out there, I want to let people know whether they want to work with us or anybody else is think about the data ownership. Think about using open source software as a hub, whether that's Drupal, WordPress, something much more complicated. But if you own the central hub that's plugging into others as a business, you keep that control. Okay. Actually, can I ask one last question on that point, actually, is um, using the open source the security aspect of that open source software. Is that any, would you see that as a challenge or an issue? It used to be. It was a big challenge years ago. What's mitigated that challenge these days is it depends on where you're hosting. You have to go to a reputable hosting or a reputable platform to put your open source on. These are companies like Pantheon and WP Engine and companies that really have security first and foremost in mind. And they're taking care of most of that layer and then the net, the rest of it is really based on you know the, the things that you control as a business and making policies that are security friendly not letting people have bad passwords and the like yeah okay basics basics fantastic Kim. listen thank you so much for coming on the show today really appreciate it thank you ken it's been fun mm-hmm.